Today's message is titled, Can God Restore My Broken Family? So something broke, right, in the fall. They had oneness, oneness possessed, and then oneness lost. And we saw the effects of that. The big blame game, right? And so what happened between the punishment in Genesis 3.19 that we just covered and 4.1? This big punishment, throwing each other under the bus. And 4.1 starts off with, Adam made love to his wife. And then Eve became pregnant. And they gave birth to Cain. Whoa! Something happened from this huge blow-up, right? So we're going to spend some time between Genesis 19 up to Genesis 4.1. Something happened after the rebellion and this punishment. So first of all, in your handouts, there's a little fill-in things for you. God's response was he did immediately did not send them to dust. He didn't immediately say, I'm going to start over. <laughs> okay? Although a view to Noah, <laughs> he kind of does start over. But he could have done it now, but he doesn't. So that's the first thing at God's grace. Something happens, right? Something happens. Something happens between this big blow-up and uh, Adam and Eve reconciling. There. So something happened between punishment and reconciliation. So in your text here, we'll read it. This is, this is uh, Genesis... 3:19 and it ends with and to dust you will return going on in verse 20 Adam then names his wife Eve remember that covenant relationship between God and Adam he named him not just a creature but a relationship just like naming animals Adam names his wife Eve because she would become the mother of all the living. And continuing continuing on, the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and Eve and his wife, and he clothed them. And the Lord God said, the man now has become like one of us, knowing good from evil, good good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat it, and therefore live forever. 23, so God banished him from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. After he drove the man out, he placed on the east side of the garden, um, east, east side of the garden, cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth uh, to guard the entrance to the tree of life. And then Adam makes love to his wife, and she becomes pregnant and gave birth to Cain. Something happened here in these few verses. First of all, well, second, God does, God does not immediately snuff them out, but he does put a limit on their life, right? He puts a limit. He does damage control, right? Uh, he doesn't allow them to live forever, reach out and take from the tree of life. Hmm, interesting. It's kind of like 
limiting evil. And I look forward to the Tower of Babel, where man's collective arrogance rose up to the point where God limits that as well, that we'll touch upon maybe next week. But here, God limits uh, man's evil. There's an alternate, uh, alternate interpretation. Matthew Henry, one of the classic uh, commentaries, actually thinks the limitation from the Garden of Eden and living forever is actually an act of grace. Hmm, interesting. It's kind of like uh, the duality of existence, the tormenting that, that the Apostle Paul uh, shared. You know, what I want to do, I don't do. And, but what I don't do, I said that wrong. What I want to do, I don't do. But what I don't want to do, I end up doing. He says, to live is Christ, but to die is gain. Now we see in a mirror, but then we'll see face to face. The philosopher and mathematician Pascal, and originator of the Pascal computer language, that we got that from, once said in one of his writings, when we, act, when we try to act the angel, we end up acting the beast. When we try to act the angel, we end up acting the beast. It's a comment of this root of sin nature inside of us, this duality that uh, um, some go mad with, struggle with their whole lives. So maybe... It's an act of grace that God gives them a chance. In fact, gives them and us a what? A lifetime to choose to do the right thing, right? Grace didn't snuff them out, but I'm going to limit your life and we'll see what happens is basically what God is saying. But at the end of it, it's kind of interesting. The question of why do we die, you know, um, physical death has always has always bugged me <laughs> as a as a human as a as a believer, right? Man, it's just a it's a crazy crazy paradox. While yet we were made in the image of God, you know, we had we uh, created a little lower than angels. Then we face our mortality and uh, looking for meaning in it all. But this is an interesting uh, commentary on why humans die, maybe why God limits evil liability, but maybe an act of grace. Interesting thought. Interesting thought. I don't have a definitive answer. When we see God face to face, we'll have to ask him, is this, is this what you meant? <laughs> is this what you meant by limiting uh, uh, God's response? that we must not be allowed to live forever. Okay, moving on. Um, in these few verses, something changes. God's attitude changes and Adam's attitude changes. Realize, just a second ago, there was judgment, punishment, probably righteous indignation from God, Right? This huge offense. Look at Jesus in the, uh, the temple. Righteous indignation. Not rejoicing with evil. Okay? 
and consequences and punishment. God's tone changes. It changes from a great offense to this maternal compassion to clothe them, to clothe them. And what happens with Adam? Somehow he reconciles with Eve, right? Somehow he reconciles. From throwing each other under the bus, they reconciled somehow. What happened? I think God truly grieved When he gave humans a name, he had this relationship with them. He gave them a chance, a lifetime, each of us a lifetime, to choose good over evil. He gave them grace. It's kind of like that uh, a judge, a courtroom scene, you know. Nowadays, if you've ever been on a jury trial, you know, everything's very disassociated. But imagine that same scene, but everybody there is family, (laughs) Okay, everybody there is family, just like the prodigal son scene when the prodigal comes home and he gets grace. So first, the good, the the just God, the father, lets the son suffer the consequences of his rebellion. He wants to come back as a slave. That is his just uh, uh, nature. But God... He allows him to suffer the consequences, but is rejoicing at his repentant heart. And then you have the the older son, arms crossed, uh, pointing out every every sin and just cannot contemplate uh, grace and celebration. I think this is what we have here. God allowed the consequences of Adam and Eve's rebellion And so we got all these consequences, right? But then after that, it's almost like they've got a life sentence. They're prisoners now. And that's true. Adam and Eve are now prisoners to sin. Prisoners to sin and death. And what does God do? It's like he goes on the prisoner visitation. (laughs) Okay, come on. let's, let's, Let's clothe you. That is the scene. It's his children that are in prison. God's attitude changes. So God, what does he do? He clothes them. Adam is allowed to name Eve. Adam is allowed to name Eve. There's some reconciliation going on here. God forgave Adam, and I think Adam forgives Eve by that example. What does the scripture say? We love because God first loved us. We can love. God wants us to forgive others as we have been forgiven. That example, I think that's what happens here. God reflects love and grace, love and forgiveness, and uh, Adam forgives and Eve forgives each other. They were naked and unashamed. They experienced uh, oneness. That was their honeymoon phase in Genesis chapter 1. <laughs> and then there was trouble in paradise, right? There was trouble in paradise. Even after the temptation, there was, there was blame. And c- things could have gone, continued to, to, to gone south, right? 
I mean, think about schisms. Think about family feuds. Think about betrayals. Think about things that happen. Think about grudges, right? Things could have gone south. But in just a few chapters later, wow, Adam names Eve. And the naming in the scripture is kind of like a new chapter in one's relationship, right? Uh, we think about uh, Abram becomes Abraham, right? Before he's just Abr- Abram, but God makes a new covenant with him and he becomes Abraham. All these other terms, you know, there is Saul, he encounters Christ, and now he's not, now what? He's Paul. Adam names Eve. Before, it was the woman that you brought here. <laughs> the wife that, literally it says, the wife that you brought here gave me the fruit. But just in a couple of chapters later, Adam names his wife Eve. It's a new chapter in their marriage. Their marriage is maintained. It's healed. It's reconciled. How do we know this? Because just a few later, a few verses later, Adam makes love to his, to his wife. And we, we all know, any of you that are married, have been married, there's not a whole lot of lovemaking if there's arguments going on, <laughs> right? All right, if there's conflict, there's not a whole lot of oneness happening. And the same thing with uh, friends and relations. Out of the context of marriage, right? If there's grudges, if there's conflict, there's not a whole lot of oneness happening, right? So how do we know this? Something happened to break that. So let's look here. What happened? Adam was allowed the opportunity to cleave and become one with his wife, and Eve was allowed to procreate. Let's read on. Eve does the right thing. Eve reconciles with God. Okay? Eve does the right thing. What does she say? After giving birth to Cain... With the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. She gives glory and honor to God. Not once, but twice. God allows her to give birth. What influenced the fallen couple? This is a point, this is the main point of today's message, by the way. (laughs) What influenced the fallen couple? Something happened from verse 19 to verse 20 that Adam started to shift in his mind. He decided to make love, not war. (laughs) Right? I think this is it. God loved and modeled love and forgiveness to Adam and Eve. How do we know this? Certainly, we just kind of read, and the tone changes, right? The tone changes. But let's expand on this. How do we know God loved Adam and Eve? Well, God changes from judge and jury to heavenly parent. And here, I believe God took Adam and Eve through a crash course in couples counseling. (laughs) 
what does God refer to as the wonderful counselor, right? I think, I think God put on the first weekend to remember conference for Adam and Eve, all right? So what did God model? Well, God is defined in 1 John, God is love, right? If you, if you don't love, you don't know God. If you love, you reflect God's character. God is love. The Apostle Paul defines love in the love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, that we'll go through. Well, am I taking leaps here? Well, the Apostle John said, in the beginning was what? The Word. And the Word was what? The Word is Jesus. In the beginning was Jesus. We're talking about Genesis here, right? So Jesus was there in the garden. And what else does John say? Jesus was with God. And Jesus was God. Okay? Jesus was God. So, looking forward to Christmas, God comes, Emmanuel, God with us. The apostles, the Saul encounters God on the Damascus road and becomes Paul and experiences God's love, goes on his missionary journeys, and he writes this. Love is patient. It is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. I think this is what God taught, reflected to Adam and Eve. Is that a leap? I don't think so. God was Jesus. God spoke to the Apostle Paul. Uh, the disciple John said, God is love. This is God. God reflected. God did not react in the opposite of love, but he reflected love and forgiveness to Adam and Eve's sin. Now, we often look to the Old Testament to understand, make sense of the New Testament, right? especially when it comes to sacrifices and the coming of Jesus and things like that, there'll be references to what? You know, Isaiah or some sacrifice, and this is going to be the perfect sacrifice, and maybe you have to understand the sacrificial system, uh, blood covering sin, maybe the Passover, right? God is referred to, Jesus is referred to as the what? The Passover lamb who is slain. We often use the Old Testament to interpret what's happening in the New Testament. This is the first time I've used the New Testament to interpret what's going on in the Old Testament. Can we do that? Absolutely. I think this is exactly what happened. God clothed them. What happened? God made loving limits. Oh, backing up. God loved them. By God clothed them, covered their sin. God made loving limits to their existence. Gave them immediate and appropriate consequences for their evil actions. Is not that what we're supposed to do as parents, grandparents, right? 
Kiddo plays with matches, goes by the stove. What do you do? Do a, a week later, do you talk about it? No. Bah! <laughs> you know, an immediate painful consequence. This is what we do. God loved them and showed them and instructed them how to love. And we look to, we could look at the love chapter to see what God reflected. Let's look a little closer. And let's see how it applies. Love is patient. Love is kind. Was not God patient and kind to Adam and Eve? He allowed them to live, right? And he tenderly clothed them like a mother. He allows Adam and Eve to do the right thing, to do good. He continues to allow Eve to uh, uh, have children, and be blessed by that. He teaches them love does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. Like throwing each other under the bus in the blame game that just happened a couple chapters ago. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Obviously, God models not keeping records of wrong. It is as if Adam and Eve got a just life sentence, and now God, the heavenly parent and judge, love them, cover them, clothe them. Right? There could have been bitterness. There could have been, uh, God could have continued to be angry. (laughs) He could have... Uh, blew out their life. He could have held their sin over them. Um, Just like the prodigal. Look at that. There's another picture. Another picture. God is the same God in Jesus who teaches this parable about the prodigal son. The prodigal son goes away and suffers the consequences of his sin. He repents. And what is God's reaction? He runs to his son, wraps him, his arms around him. And what does, the product, what does the good father do to the prodigal son as well? He clothes them, clothes them, puts sandals on his feet, ring on his finger, and a robe on his back, and they celebrate. There'll be more rejoicing when just one sinner repents is the moral of that story. And do you not think Grandpa God in Genesis rejoiced when he had a grandson, (laughs) Cain and Abel. Don't you think there was rejoicing? Don't you think God rejoiced when Adam and Eve reconciled? Yeah, I think so. Today's message is what? Can God heal a broken family? Can God restore a broken family? This is what happened between Genesis 3.19 and 4.1. God gives us a second chance. God gave Adam and Eve a second chance. What happened? God models love to the first family, and they cleaved, they forgave each other, they were given a chance to do good, not continue evil, and What was the result? They experienced oneness. They experienced oneness. 
God shows Adam and Eve how to heal. They reconcile and they live happily ever. Well, we won't finish that sentence. That'll be finished next week. <laughs> what happened to their kids? But today, before we move on to the age of evil and the next generations and the awful things that happen and the need for a savior that we look to for Christmas, we can get a sense and pause of all the goodness that happened between 4, 319 and Genesis 4.1. Adam and Eve reconciled. It's a first glimpse of the gospel, of God, what happened. But today, if we've ever done, today it was interesting because it's something I've never done before, and that is to use the New Testament to fill in the blanks and interpret it, what happened in the Old Testament. That was kind of fun and exciting. God reveals his loving nature from verses 23, 20, and on. So moving on to some application. Oh, yeah. They reconcile and they live happily ever after until next week. <laughs> until next week. Our parents model how to heal their family by humbly realizing we are all guilty for all have sinned, Romans 3.23. So in application and wrapping up, I, guys, I want you guys to think of a hurt, a grudge, an offense that you may be holding. Maybe it's a significant other, an ex-significant other, a child, a prodigal, or a parent, a sibling, a neighbor. Like Adam and Eve, oneness was lost, and it could have gone south, right? It could have gone from an offense to a feud to world war, whatever, to murder. And actually, next week, it does go to murder. Whew does go to murder. God allowed the consequences and he modeled love to Adam and Eve and he hoped and he waited for his children to choose good. And they did. They chose to leave their selfishness and cleave and experience oneness and they were reconciled. Our Heavenly Father models love and forgiveness to us, patient kindness. So all have sinned, all fall short of the glory of God, but God does not throw away the key. No, God clothes us and covers us. And it's a view to Christmas that God covers things permanently. So we ask God for strength to respond the way God wants us to, to love others as we have been loved, forgive others as we have been forgiven. If you cannot, in our own strength, forgive or let this offense go, 
you know, that's totally understandable because we are all, what, fractional people <laughs> to begin with. And if we've never experienced that love, that modeling that uh, Adam and Eve experienced from God, that's today's message, that God's love was modeled and shared between our spiritual parents, between 3.19 and 4.1. So you could do a couple things. You can hold on to that grudge, that sin, or you can give it to God, and you could trust God to heal you. Those are very general and practical things, not practical, those are very general spiritual things that you will hear in church, <laughs> right? Just give it to God, trust God to heal you, meditate <laughs> on scripture, we could certainly do that, God's slowness to anger and abounding in love, we pray for wholeness, very general, I'm going to give you some more specific things. God wants us to love and forgive as we have been loved and forgiven. So to do that, the first steps, you know, we could, we could stop with just wishful thinking, right? But like that prophet once said, right? There's no, there's no uh, uh, thinking but doing. That's Yoda. I forget how that goes. We could wish, we could have wishful thinking. But the first step is to do what Adam and Eve did, right? Do what God did. Go back and look at these scriptures. What did they do? Something changed, right? What did they do? It wasn't wishful thinking. The first step, I believe, as I look at this, is to repent. Instead of a cup half empty nature, lack of grace, inability to treat others beyond our transaction, like what, do I, what am I going to get out of it? The first step is to admit our selfish, fractional tendency and ask God to forgive and heal us. This is repentance. Adam and Eve repented. The prodigal son repented. When we repent, we acknowledge that we were, except that we were fearfully and wonderfully made, that we were called to be on the side of good and usher in God's kingdom as we've said before, and then to repent and then begin to heal and allow God to make us whole. Learn to forgive. Learn to make amends. Forgiveness, amends for those relationships around me. Repent to listening to other gods before the one true God. Repent to listening to God's instructions by attending Bible study fellowship, worship, serving, serving, serving God, thanking God for our sustenance three times a day. We can repent. We can put some feet to repentance, not just wishful thinking. This is a title of a message that I will do someday. The prodigal son does the 12 steps home. <laughs> he didn't just have wishful thinking, but he did steps. He does the 12 steps a recovery home. So I gave you a little more specific, a little more specifics than just invite God into your heart, <laughs> right? And trust God, give it to God, let go and let God. <laughs> I've given you more than that. Just like 
Jesus asked the paralytic many, many 32 years after Christmas Sunday to the paralytic. He's whining. No one's, no one's around to bring me down to the, to the well to help me. And Jesus said what? Do you want to be healed? Do you want to be healed? Then do this. It's not just wishful thinking. All right, let's wrap up with our last slide. How do we do this? We humbly realize that we're all guilty, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Humbly understand that we are made out of the ground. We, we have to thank God three times a day for our sustenance. Acknowledge that God is the loving provider of our very lives and our daily provisions. Repent and turn from doing, from doing evil and selfishness to doing good. Forgive and love as God has loved us, that is, to love others. In a nutshell, what should we do? Love God, love and honor God, and love others. How did Jesus sum this up? What is the greatest commandment? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then others as yourself. Let's pray. God, we just thank you for... Uh, coming to your word with expectancy for food and sustenance as a deer pants for water. We can't survive even without food three times a day. We can't survive. We can actually survive with food for a couple of weeks, but without water. God, your word is like water to our souls. Let us be like a tree planted by streams of water, God who meditates on your word day and night. We thank you, God, as we come expectantly to your word for truth. You uh, reason, uh, even the heathen, if a son were to ask for bread, would that uh, heathen brother give them a stone? How much more so do you, God, our Heavenly Father, want to give us all good spiritual gifts, wisdom, knowledge, love, joy, peace, and patience. God, we thank you for the insight, for enlightening us, uh, uh, giving us insight and, and uh, wholeness from the Old Testament scriptures to the New Testament scriptures, God, and tying this all together. God, under, trying to understand our, our, uh, our, the amazing gift that we look forward to in a couple weeks, God, understanding the significance of baby Jesus, Emmanuel, God, you coming, God with us. First, we have to understand what you are saving us from. God, help that truth bring sweet reunion and reconciliation um, to our hearts and minds and souls, God. And may that be reflected in our, those significant others around us. Let that bleed over to those around us, God. We look forward to these couple weeks and uh, uh, those that you might lay on our heart to encourage to come back to church from being away for so long, to hear God's, your word, God, because we know it's good, like inviting people to a banquet, God. Uh, we know there's good food here 
for us, for our souls to sustain us, God. Not only to sustain us, but to heal us and make us whole, God. These things, we thank you and we ask in your name. Jesus, everybody said, amen.